Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. And each week on the Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Cordelia Gaffar. So welcome onto the show, Cordelia. Hello, James. Thank you for having me. So before we get into today's show, Cordelia, obviously you and I have worked together on and off for, say, the last year or so on different different programs and whatnot. Uh, I've featured on your your YouTube series, um, see if I can get this right, I'm going to have to go to my notes, uh, how to build a fitness program where we looked at, into looking at a three-part series, looking into fitness, nutrition, and mindset. Beyond that, can you give a little bit of a brief introduction for the listeners and obviously the viewers watching this? Right. So I'm a transformational coach and I help women to have a body soul shift by using their emotions as a power source and not a weight. I do that by guiding them to drop into their bodies and to connect with their emotions in the moment. And then um, just letting the language, a, a new language emerge that I call sweet talk. So in terms of, of actually the process, Cordelia, is it delving a little bit deeper than, say, what most people will have heard of, of being meditation and mindfulness? Definitely, yes. It's, um, it's definitely like a physical connection. Like the dropping into the body piece is really just listening instead of, you know, how we feel those aches and pains and we want to grab for something to dull it and numb it straight away. Just stop and listen and see what does that mean and where does it come from. But is that more difficult to do than, say, um, to ascertain and kind of use meditation as a process? Obviously, it's going to take time to be able to acquire that skill, which I know firsthand it's been a... <laughs> at times more difficult to acquire than others. I think I've come to terms with it and I'm probably nearing that 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 kind of transformational habit where you get to about 66 days where it comes a new habit. It's probably that's where I don't think of it. I should do this. I feel bad if I miss it. Um, at times I, I, I do kind of, go beyond the, the, the day that you're thinking, okay, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's been 24 hours. Why have the app not taken account of that? To me, that, but I think that's me overthinking it. So, but then I've kind of been able to reflect and say, well, if I don't do it first thing in the morning, when I wake up, the day is kind of, you're playing catch-up, so to speak. That probably makes more sense to the people listening because you're, you're running on borrowed time a little bit. It's probably the, the, looking at it more in a harshest way. You're, you're trying to catch up with, with, oh, I haven't done this, I haven't done this. I need to rush, rush, rush. Whereas 
if I do it the other way around where I'm doing it first thing in the morning, wake up where I'm waking up and I've kind of taken a backward step with, I'll call it my time before I've got to go to work as we're recording this, it's obviously boxing day in the UK. So I'm not at work. So, um, uh, from the, the full-time job, this is so from the, 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 the my own profession, my own business, which I don't call, I don't kind of quote as a, as a job, I probably used to and had the grind of having to rock up, put content. Whereas now it's okay. What, 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 what can I come up with today that that's going to help somebody? So it's those juices are a little bit more free flowing. And I used to, well, up until, as you know, Cordia with the anxiety, I was struggling with actually putting content out and had that mental block in terms of, I've got writer's block. You're thinking, no, no, no. You just, you just had a momentary blip and probably confidence that I have been able to write in the past. Okay, it was on something that I enjoyed to write about, and that was obviously at university. That my dissertation was my choice. I was writing about what I wanted to actually uh, do an experiment on, so it's going to be easier to write it than say somebody telling me you need to do this and being put in a box. So I think that is definitely having that mental shift and where I'm going to come to my point and before we move on to the next question is I think we need to probably take a step back in terms of, okay, we are content and very acknowledging of when we break a bone, when we damage our muscles in a sporting sense in the gym, we're okay with that. Okay. I think some I'm generalizing here a little bit. Some are going to probably find that more difficult than others, but, it is normal because we think of it as, well, okay, it needs repairing. What steps do I need to put in this rehabilitation stage, recovery stage to get better? Whereas I think with the mind, because we can't see it, we, we kind of amplify and make things either more complicated than they need to be or look at it more in a negative way because we can't come to terms with it. Whereas I did it, or I think a few weeks back, I was chatting with somebody I know locally on Facebook in terms of well, how we should approach the mind. Well, should treat it no differently than any uh, other muscle in the body. So it's it's just one we can't see, and it's probably well, it, in sense it's the oh, the engine of the body. It's it, it's controlling everything. Yes, you have an indirect connection to that because when you're in the conscience, you control your body parts or your arms and legs whereas you can't control your heart and lungs that's something uh that's an involuntary function whereas i think where you're able to step back and tap into your unconscious self and actually look at well you're doing this as opposed to this you don't you you're you you are telling yourself you can't do this whereas it i've actually you actually took a conscious step to actually be aware of that you probably you would you would probably challenge yourself. It's kind of having a out of body experience, so to speak, to be able to do that. And I think that's probably where you would either agree to certain things. Because I hate, I see you nodding away in the background to to what yeah. I'm saying. You know, to some extent. But here's the thing. So the way I teach is that we have three brains, right? The 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 way you're explaining it is you're all up in the logical mind. That's like in the brain, like, you know, the conscious mind, right? 
So when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing that you do? What, me specifically? Like anybody, like without thinking about it, don't you just stretch? I don't, but that might just be me. <laughs> okay, that might just be you, yeah. Well, okay, so it's really that simple. So like for, for, um, for you to, you, you don't really have your conscious mind on when you, when you wake up, right? You have to turn that on. It's kind of like a, you get up and then you're like, oh, what do I have to do today? But there's a, there's a gap of about a minute there. I would say at least, right? For some people, it's until they get out the shower, right? But, you know, for, for me, like, before I even let my conscious mind come on, I stretch. And while I'm stretching, that's when I let my heart center open up. And I'm like, oh, let me feel into my body and see what's going on here, right? And so that's the listening part because I don't, I don't have any judgment surrounding that. It's just all feeling at that point. And so that's what I, I help people to activate so that when they're making the decisions during the day and they get trapped in anxiety, right, or that conscious mind, and they're looking, looking, looking for the answer, they just give that up and say, you know what, let me just close my eyes and, and, and feel for the answer with my heart. You see what I mean? Yeah, I get where you're coming from, Kodi. I think that's where I probably struggled in terms of using the, the Headspace app when they first talked of all of, oh, I think the word is slightly different in terms of what you're talking about. It's like sensing that feeling, that how you're feeling today. Are you feeling tense? Are you feeling anxious? You're thinking it, it, it does. I think as you progress through it, you are aware, okay, yeah, I am hunching up in my shoulders. Let me relax that down and kind of actually, well, where is, well, more specifically, what is what is tight what, in, the, in the muscles today? And you were able to actually oh, probably step away from the medicine cabinet now <laughs> to actually dull, no, 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 dull the pain from, I don't know, paracetamol, ibuprofen, you name whatever the the the. Um, narcotics that you, you want to use to, to actually make you function a little bit better. Whereas I think you're able to, oh, I think this is probably a good one from a sports perspective. Now you, you're made aware of, okay, this specific muscle is what is actually bothering me and causing me problems, uh, be it in training in, in, in the competitive environment. Okay let me do something about it, be it foam roller, uh, use the, the methods of uh, called, quote unquote torture for some people. It's, it's, it hurts, but how, how I put it down the years, cause people are kind of perplexed as, Oh, how can you tolerate uh, sports therapy and, and be it elbows being put into your back? And things like that? no, I look at it more positive than that. It's a momentary lapse of pain but in the long run, I'm gonna I'm gonna feel satisfied and, and and relieved from it. So it's like, well, if I've got to endure this, how the severity and tightness is, uh, it will depend on the, whether or not the muscle wants to release as well. But it's gonna I'm gonna feel a lot better for it after that session's finished. So it's looking at it from that perspective. You are aware where it's hurting, 
So when I go see that therapist, it's talking of the jargon. We're on the same page and said, well, it's, I think it's this, this, this specific muscles. Whereas I think the general populace and when my mother goes, she'll be, oh, I think, I think it's this. Okay. I can specifically pinpoint, I think it's this specific muscle, but that comes back to my knowledge and background is a lot I've got a lot of base, uh, broader base to build upon than say the general population will assume, oh, my back's hurting. Whereas I could pinpoint why I think it's my glutes or um, hip flexors. And I, I can kind of say, well, we can be more specific and target those areas, okay, mm, and, and be more constructive and say, well, actually, James, it wasn't this, it was this, okay. I can kind of go from there. Well, what, what can I, strategies can I implement to, well, stretch it, strengthen it, and, cut, and obviously put stability around that joint and go from there. Whereas I think, well, I think maybe I'm going to generalize here. The general populace are going to probably be given prescribed certain exercises to go away. Majority will probably won't do them. And obviously they're going to go back. Uh, whereas I've, further down those levels because I'm asking specific questions further down the line to be able to actually, well, improve performance to be not out of out of um, the competitive environment longer than I need to be. Okay, or, or look to improve performance that I'm better and not, not having to rely on an external source to recover. Well, see, the important part of like you as an athlete being in touch with that um, is that you can pinpoint, you can probably even remember, because this is part of what I do. I ask, what's the history of whatever it is you're feeling? You probably remember exactly at what point in the game where you did, you moved a certain way that would have moved that muscle out of place, right? Mm. Sometimes. Well, (laughs) you made me think about it, but if if I took a step back and... But I think all athletes are in the heat of the moment. So if you ask this, you My daughter usually knows. I mean, she plays soccer and she'll, you know, after the game, I'll be like, okay, so what do we need to do? And she'll be like, well, you know, I know that when I was, you know, kicking, you know, the corner that I moved, I rotated a little bit too, too much to the left. And that's why this hip, you know, is not working or whatever. And so we'll know where to pinpoint. So at some point you are in touch with it. And what I do with her is um, I also practice eccentrics. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's a modality specifically designed for injured athletes. And so I'll use that with her to rehabilitate her. if She has, you know, sore muscles or something after game to get back together. So I also use this with the general population because the same modality works for aging backwards the woman who created it, Miranda Esmond White, she actually was 46 when she created it. And she um, had been a ballerina. And then she um, decided to teach aerobics. And she wanted to, um, she had injured herself. And she wanted to also reshape her muscles, right? Because they had gotten broader as opposed to the ballet muscles that were, you know, more compact and, you know, more... Um, slimmer so this actually she she put it together and what she was finding is not only was she able to heal herself but that 
um, prevent injury going forward. And then when she was helping other athletes, I think she started with the hockey team because she's Canadian. Um, then, um, you know, she worked with some of her own old clients from her aerobics days. And those women were finding that, you know, whereas they had back pain and they weren't athletes, then all of a sudden they were able to be more flexible and, you know, walk for longer or go up steps without huffing and puffing and stuff. So um, that's why that's why I say, you know, when you really listen to your body and tune in, like my daughter, I'm already training her to do that as a young athlete. You know, she's 14. So I want her to know and be aware of, you know, what she's doing when she's moving um, so that, if she does put something out of alignment, she can put it back into alignment and, you know, and just stay in that awareness of her body and connect it. It also, um, I guess on an emotional level, it will sometimes help her to stay centered because um, a lot of the muscles that we use in this modality are core muscles and like the solar plexus and, you know, all that is connected actually a lot to our emotions, to our passion in life, to where anxiety and fear and anger live. But the more that you're aware and you're staying present in your body awareness, it actually centers you emotionally. So I I don't know why she of all my kids has, I guess I really probably shouldn't be saying this on a podcast, but anyway, you know, it's like what I've noticed is like, um, because of the intensity of sports and, you know, competitive sports with athletes, they do tend to uh, battle more with depression and anxiety than like, you know, other people. Um, And I, and I don't know if it's, maybe you can speak to that. Is it more because they're, what, what do you think that is? I think it's because you're putting a facade on, so to speak, it's, it's, it, it comes down to, I'm not going to generalize and say, I think one per, one athlete is going to come at it from one different avenue as to why they acquire anxiety or depression. It's going to each, I think it comes down to an individual basis, but I think in a sense for me specifically, you, you I, I think what I did is you're putting up these barriers and walls because you don't want to be, be perceived as weak you are portrayed as oh, i won't say godlike because that's that's a little bit over the top but well, you in terms like of, but in terms <laughs> of you put on a pedestal so you are in a sense unbreakable you're a bit like a robot so you don't need to have emotions so when i hear things of all oh, the media say it maybe not so specifically now because mental health is very much well in the here and now and it's very much more present and they want more male uh, proportions of the population to come out and say well yes this is this is normal well, okay normal as can be construed as that to be able to deal with okay it's not to be stigmatized nothing wrong with having it and kind of be more I think of the same notion of the say the female population which is very outspoken and willing to talk about it and don't be so fearful and 
I think caring of of another person's opinion. If you if you're content with having it, that should be you. You are content with yourself. You are able to move forward. That should be maybe that what matters. I think where we're maybe lost in society now is we care what other people think, be it in life, business, or probably even more to a greater degree, sports, because it's this culture of the highlight reel. And I was watching, well, an NBA game over here in the UK, and they're showing the best dunks of the se- of the season so far. You're thinking, well, most kids are going to watch that and that alone. He's thinking, well, the athlete themselves has done more than just that highlight reel in the, what was an NBA game, about 42 minute games. I think they would have done far more than that offensively, defensively, for the greater good of the team, not just for them. Whereas I think, and I had this discussion with one of the, the pupils where I work at school before we broke up, and he was saying, well, sir, James Harden has achieved this, this, this awards to our MVP and things like that, individual awards, thinking, well, he's successful. Okay. Yes, he's successful. But if I asked him point blank as him as an individual, would you swap all those individual awards for an NBA trophy? What would his answer be? And I would be very surprised if he said no to me. Uh, and, and they were kind of like, no, hang on, hang on. So it's like, but it's true. If, if okay, the, the motivational factor for every individual within the NBA is going to be different, and, and if we kind of put that across every sport that everybody does, motivational factor as to what you want to achieve is going to be different. That's fair enough. But if they all had an opportunity to win the highest um, accolade within their sport, I highly doubt anybody's going to turn you down. If you have an opportunity to be on a team that has a chance, however great or however small, of doing it, I would have thought they would they would do it in a heartbeat. So I think this illusion that oh, it's all about the highlight reel, the the perception that they they glorify, it's like well, it's false. You you don't have that sense of individuality. I think my mom echoed it a bit. It's like, well, why don't they all wear head-to-toe the same uniform? Thinking, well, I can understand where you're coming from as a team identity, but then where's the individual within that? that, I I guess where she's coming from, yes, you've got a point from, um, I'm not going to put words into her mouth, but uniformity uniformity of that I was thinking well yeah there's certain essence I think what was the game uh, Houston Rockets against uh, Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Thunder and you're thinking well I kind of pause it okay does this player constitute what you're talking about all red white socks red shoes it's like yeah but then technically that's they styling it as well because I would do some of that, whereas the other players are wearing, oh, what I think Russell Westbrook had like a Christmas type shoe. It wasn't to my taste. I think people who have seen it or listened to that might, might disagree. That's fair enough. I didn't particularly like them, but that's him 
conforming to his identity and what he likes and obviously that's from a marketing perspective is his brand and obviously they've all got their shoe shoe deals with different companies so you can't conform to that nature of a team identity because it doesn't exist that's 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 long been removed probably since the um when Jordan had his first shoe deal, that's that, that everybody com- being conformed to black sneakers or some of that extent, but maybe white. Whereas I, I, when my mum said to me, I was like, well, I wouldn't wear white sneakers in sport. Cars. That's just me. But that's kind of shifted so that the elements of being very individualistic is not a bad thing. Whereas I think countries of the like of, and I kind of go a little bit off on a tangent here, be it in the UK, some degree, probably Australia, New Zealand and Canada with kids having to wear a school, probably to a certain extent, obviously private school in the United States, having to wear a uniform. That, to a certain extent, yes, it's to stop bullying. But on the other hand, if you have kids who are, have older siblings and the, and the money isn't as, they're not coming from a, so an affluent background, they're still going to get bullied because that is a hand-me-down. So they're going to get criticised for that. So you're thinking, well, the American kind of oh God, how public system with everywhere wearing their own clothes, okay, has got its pluses and, and, and minuses because you're going to get shunned for not having the latest gear, which is that's probably what's wrong with society. But you're able to conform to what your values are, your core morals and, and your car identity to whatever phase you are in, in your lifestyle. Because what I wear now in my 30s to what I wore in my 20s in my teens are not the same. I'm, able, I'm still able to wear what I wore, uh, I think, in my teens or, uh, and with baggy clothes. I think the baggy clothes came in when I was in my preteens, I'm able to wear that clothes now because I'm taller. So, so it's from that sense, I'm still able to utilize. I'm trying to think some, I think some clothes are about 15 years old and they still fit okay. just because of, of the style of it was, well, as you would, as you'd know, it was back, uh, the baggy clothes was back in, was in fashion well, probably about 15, 20 years ago. So I'm able to get away with it because it's like, well, it's still there. It fits because I'm, more mature and I've grown into my body type but I think that was my point it's people are able to be very much comfortable in their own skin because they are to some extent not conforming to this ideology of what school is based on is to prepare people to go to work you're 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 kind of driven to be in a sense robotic because, and I don't know how school has not evolved yet to kind of get to where we are in the modern sense on the outside of the of the building. It's still set in the Victorian age. I was just talking about that recently with someone, but, you know, I guess to your point a little bit, in the U.S., because of what you were just talking about in some really um, – uh, poor places, uh, they actually do require uniforms now to kind of avoid some of that because there's a high instance of suicides with kids, if you can believe it, in their preteens. 
you know, that that's like really unheard of, um, like with our generations, but, um, but now it's, it's a problem. So, um, I, but I think the uniform thing in the poor schools has been going on for maybe up to five years. So, yeah. But, uh, it's a di- sorry to cut you off there, Cody, but it's a difficult one in terms of we talk about bullying there. Well, in our generation, it would stop at the door. It, that was the once, once, well, certainly so that people could follow you home, but once you got into the safety of your own, own home, you were all right because the, the, the cellular device was, well, for me, it didn't come into, I think my first one was probably about 14, 15. So I'm almost halfway through high school. Uh, and the internet was in its infancy. So it's that the, the, what they have to do with probably on a daily basis. I, I obviously utilize the phone, well, not as much, but probably close, close probably at least half the percent that they will do. But I'm not, I'm able to disconnect from and we talked about this with uh, Rich Wellington in terms of, you know, the, the trolling and, and the, the online bullying, thinking, well, we are able to take a step back as adults. Okay. To some extent, on one hand, you look at it from a positive light, or well, I've made it because this person has taken their time out of their own day to come and criticize me. Okay. What's so bad in your day that you have to do that? I don't know, but, from that sense, you're able to look, okay, must be doing something right if something wants to come and criticize it. But on the one hand, you're able to, I think maybe on the negative side, which Rich talked about, was it was going to set you back because you start questioning your inner belief. Well, is that content good enough? And, and you kind of question yourself and you just kind of go back within yourself. Whereas I think because some kids are not able to escape that stigmatization or whatever the type of bullying it is and completely now they feel more isolated because like well i can't school is not a safe place walking home from school is not a safe place they can they can find me on social media so they can harass me in in my own home so it's like well my answer would be and even athletes are probably to blame for this as well because you will perceive somebody that is not athletic to be, I won't say beneath you, but to a certain extent not on your level because they're not as athletically given. So you are going to, how do I put this, um, shun that individual because they're different. So it's like, well, to a certain extent, the, the culture of the jocks well that's been there throughout existence they you want to pick on somebody because you perceive them to be weaker well okay if you probably took a step back and i think this is where movies probably do it right the athlete mm-hmm. could learn from that person because you could take something from him be it in the classroom he could help you with be able to get better grades okay i'm not saying every athlete is struggling with that but most cases that is one of the reasons why you're doing it because you are finding an outlet to bring somebody down 
because you're struggling with something and not being able to communicate that. So that's, I would say, well, that's one way to be able to help each other. You're helping them with maybe their self-confidence, their self-esteem. They're helping you with your book smarts. You both win. Nobody's getting the better of each other. You're kind of bringing each each other up. And I think that's maybe where we're lost in, um, from a societal point of view. It's, it's, it's that mentality, and this will probably echo with every athlete and coach, how can I outdo somebody or kind of get one up on them? It's that mentality of dog-eat-dog, dog. whereas if you kind of stick, uh, take a step back, how can you help another individual? By all means, competition is not bad from, no. from in anything, but if you are able to use your expertise to give somebody a helping hand and you don't, as long as you don't throw it back in their face and say, well, I helped you with this a few months ago. It's not, it's your hand. It's your turn to give, return me a favor. I don't, by all means, I don't say that because that's kind of, um, you've got an ulterior motive to, to, to give that quote unquote kindness. Whereas I think, I think if you've that compassion and awareness to help another individual, I think the depending on be it you put it down to spirit spirit yeah spirituality yeah. luck or kind of being something's come falling in your lap. I think everything has a purpose. It's, it's, it's going to help you in the long run because somebody's not going to forget that it might be it might be tomorrow. It might be like we're talking about it now. The here and now. Or it might be some months down the future or years down the line. Okay, I remembered you helped me with this, James. I've become more successful than you. How can I help you? How, how can I help you in return? And being that kind of mentality. Yeah, definitely we all rise together, you know. And so going into this, like I said, I, I'm, I work mostly with women. And that is like a, a huge problem with women, you know, um, leaning more of being crabs in a barrel but I you know only approach it and only allow in people who are open to this you know we're going to help each other and you know we're all on the same journey we may be different places in that journey but but definitely all about supporting one another and that is um, I think that's a level of uh, just knowing that you're in a place where you're not judged you know, and where you can um, just let your hair down and and be yourself. You know, that's that's kind of to your point. Like, there's no place where people feel that they can be themselves. You know, um, and I think it's gotten to be a point where what they've had a lot of of these Instagram commercials, right, where people go through all this trouble to doll up and filters and everything. And then, oh, just rolled out of bed, right? And, <laughs> and uh, you know, that's just not the fact, you know. I, I try to be, I try to make my community and make my um, message very, you know, consumable for anyone, for wherever you are. And um, just understanding since I work with emotional intelligence, you know, because um, that's the problem. Like 
in the school system, like we're institutionalized to numb ourselves. Oh no, you have to keep a stiff upper lip. You have to look this way. You have to be that way. When you're here, do this, you know? And you're not even safe in your house anymore because of social media. But I'm more of the, the mind where be yourself. Feel what it's like to be yourself. Don't numb yourself. If it hurts, why does it hurt? What's the history of that? You know, um, like one thing I teach is shoulders is usually you're taking on the responsibility of somebody else's emotions or somebody else's pain. Lower back is usually an old story of not feeling supported emotionally, right? Mm -hmm. um, but of course, it could just be that you fell on your bum when you were playing sport. <laughs> But, um, but seriously, you know, so these, um, just getting accustomed to not numbing out, that is the mindful piece. That's the moving meditation and everything you do and everywhere you are is, you know, taking that pause for the cause of your emotional stability and your mental, um, wellness. But Cordelia, you mentioned that, that obviously women are a little bit more, <clears throat> I want to put this, not willing to, to help each other out. Is that because if, if they are, they're kind of putting on a front that they, they, they are not willing to, I think in a group environment, and I think I'm generalizing a little bit because I think it would depend on the individual. They're going to go with the, the herd mentality. Okay. This is either not a problem for me or I'm going to grow with the group mentality it is and then if you you kind of take them out of that environment and to a one-to-one -one environment they're more likely to say well yes this is what i'm struggling with why why is that well because we you know for whatever reason we have to be the strong woman or you know there's always something wrong with her it's never something wrong with me which is, I think it comes from the mentality of numbing and distancing from your emotions and us being always told that we're too emotional, right? So, and, and, and that being too emotional is a problem. As, you know, instead of turning that around and saying, you feel so much, let's explore that. What are all those feelings about and what are they teaching you? What are they telling you? right? Because if we, if we view the emotions as a wisdom, right, then it's not a, a hysteria anymore, because that's the thing. It's always like uh, women are hysterical. But if you, what if women are not hysterical? What if we just have the superpower of feeling our emotions? You know, we have more intuition, or we have, you know, a way of understanding human behavior and human life that, you know, wasn't gifted to other people or to men, right? And that's what we bring to the table. And that's what makes us stronger, right? Whereas, you know, for men, it could be something else. Well, in a sense, you, you put it on, on, a, on a spectrum. Well, you've got women at one end, you've got men at the other. And so they do, from, in your opinion, do they both need to kind of move along that spectrum to, to kind of find a balance then? 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, because, and, and again, I like the way you keep uh, putting the disclaimer, and I think I should do that too. Not to say, because recently I've been working with men that have great feminine energy. That means they listen to their bodies, they listen to their emotions, and um, they understand that it's a superpower. So it's like, and there are there are also women that are really good with the masculine qualities, but it's just saying the meeting ground, you know, the the exploring the the meeting ground of um, what the power of our emotions bring as human beings. Okay, right? Because uh, we're we're all numbing out in some kind of way, you know, and that just needs to stop. And then. At the very beginning of the show, you mentioned, obviously, that the, the superpower in terms of looking at it from, be it your mind, your heart, what is the third energy source that you, 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 you've alluded to so far? Right. It's your stomach. So, <laughs> right. So the, the heart would be like um, the physical the mind, you know, the brain clearly is the mental, but the stomach would be like the soul, right? So when I talk about the body soul shift, that's what's happening. So the other, the deeper part of, and we a little bit touched on it when we were talking about the solar plexus and stuff. So the deeper part of listening to your body is then understanding um, what you need to feed it you know, and the right moment or what it, maybe what you don't need to feed it, right? Maybe sometimes you just need to take a break from eating, like fasting. Um, and, and also just listening to what it is that is really your purpose in life, right? So like right now you're teaching in school, but that's not your calling and you're feeling some dis-ease with that clearly, Right. And so that's why you're having this recent emotional turmoil. But you understand that your calling is something else. And so now you've been gifted the opportunity to explore that something else. And so that's, that's the third brain. And you're listening to that one as opposed to not. But in a sense, you talk about obviously food. I'm going to single out the United States a little bit more because it'll, it'll get to my point a little bit quicker. Obviously, we as we're recording this, it's Christmas time. Yes. You had Thanksgiving, Halloween. How much of a bearing is that going to have on that, on that person? And because you are, we'll say overindulging for almost, was that three Three months? months? Yeah. To your point, I saw your Facebook post yesterday about, um, eating too many sweet things and um, what it does to your body, what it does to your mind though, right? Because these are all depressants actually, you know, the sugars. And the other part of what it does to your body is that those refined sugars, they eat away at your bones and your muscles. So you actually physically feel weaker. And um, so what I actually teach is a way to constantly be detoxifying your body right and one of those ways is eccentrics because that actually empties out the joints and strengthens and tones the muscles she actually um, always talks about different movements to get out the toxins that lie in between your joints dr northrop will talk about 
how our inflammation in between our joints come from the you know emotion or turmoil and people that already have you know a leaning towards being sad or angry or frustrated they will take this opportunity of these holidays to a little bit overindulge right to numb out um and so the other the other thing is i always talk about just making sure that you're balancing out so yes if you know that you're going to go to a holiday party or whatever, make sure that you start out your day with really good, heavy, you know, the, the good plant-based proteins and, you know, fats like that, not the bad fats, no fried food, you know, so that your, your neurons are already coated and your, your body's already, you know, the signals are going to your, your brain saying, look, we're really satiated, but, you know, we can just a little bit taste here and there because we're in the company of others, but your, your body will automatically shut it down. You're not going to be able to overindulge. So that's the way that I help people to train themselves. And Claudia, if I go a step further than what you've just said, and I can't remember where I was reading this yesterday in terms of when you are eating this so-called processed foods, it's a little bit like if you were in a room and you took all the oxygen out, obviously you're going you're gonna to fall asleep because the body, the body is not able to, uh, in, a, in a sense, the cells aren't able to operate. So it's going to put you in a, in a sense of hibernation. So it kind of keeps you alive, like the extreme sense of it. But obviously as these foods contain more nitrogen, your body's shutting down. This is generally the case where why you are tired and lethargic is the body shutting down because it's it doesn't have that oxygen that it wants to be able to function properly. So that's why you're feeling that sense of, oh, I need to take a sleep. Um, I need to have five minutes to relax. It's actually the, the oh, I wouldn't say it's, a, it's not necessarily a toxin because you need nit- you need nitrogen in the atmosphere anyway. But... To kind of my point, that is why you're feeling this way after, well, in a sense, it's a heavy meal, so be it, well, yesterday as we're recording with Christmas Day, Thanksgiving for the United States, Halloween probably to a lesser degree, probably more so for the kids with the, mm-hmm. the, 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 eating the magnitude of candy in the United States, sweets for us, for us in the UK. That is why. So I think if you are able to, and that's maybe why that, that post that you mentioned on Facebook is relevant is there, but I'm able to, okay, I'm going to enjoy the, the, the season as best as I can and not be, I'm going to say over obsessive because I was a few months ago in terms of, I was looking at, oh, down to the finite what because of my background with, with the, the training of being a personal trainer and doing science at university i know what these ingredients some of them i don't but the like the, the chem the chemical format for it i know what it is so you're thinking oh, i've got this 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 is bad for me okay let me and this is probably where the mental shift has happened. It's like, okay, 
I am contenting myself. The anxiety, as we were talking about off air, is getting better, which, which is it's it's not. That's probably a ideology people need to probably throw out of, out the window because it's like well, anxiety is not a bad thing. Be it in life, in sport, you need to have some sense of an arousal state to not do anything stupid or not want to do anything at all to function. So I think because we relate stress and anxiety as a bad thing, well, there's, that's, that's kind of the problem. It needs to have that mental shift as, okay, too much is not a good thing, but too little also is not great either. So it's kind of, I need to fluctuate somewhere in the middle here to kind of get on with myself and, and kind of have that buzz and excitement feeling that you're going to get from certain um, occasions in your life that you don't perceive that as bad. That's in, that is technically anxiety. Uh, if, you've, if you've actually delved in it deeper because it's physiologically, it's the same response. And I think because we think in, 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 in logically in that sense, that's probably where the problem is. We overthink it. It's like, well, this is bad. How can I fix it? Whereas in a sense, you can't. It's, 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 it's hardwired into the DNA. It's meant to be there. Um, okay, to a certain extent, you would have liked it to evolve from when we were cavemen and women. Okay, it's not happened yet. It won't happen in my lifetime. And probably, it probably would take a probably... A couple of hundred years, if not a thousand years, for it to actually be utilized in a sense where the people are, it's actually operating in the environment they're in, but then they might, they might revert, but revert back to type. We might actually go full circle and not be so reliant on all the things we are to them, we take for granted, be it as we're talking on social media. Uh, motor vehicle we might take a step back and say well okay those in the grand scheme of things are convenient but it's not actually helping us as as human beings so i think it's got to probably go full circle for us to probably get there but i think and i've kind of gone off on a tangent and kind of forgotten what my point was going to be but i think that is probably the root cause as to in terms of how we look at, uh, I think it's come back to me now, in terms of how we look at information, I'm able to look at it more rationally. Okay, I'm going to enjoy this season of goodwill and kind of enjoy the family experience, but I'm not going to eat in excess. I am I think probably for me, because I've, to certain extent, as, as you mentioned, you said probably probably the sugar, and, and I probably put it down to anxiety that I've lost the weight. I'm actually doing something that's not probably normal or conducive of the time of the year. I'm wanting to go the opposite way. I want to put weight on, so I think that's where I'm probably content with where I'm at. Yes, I can eat to some degree. I'm not saying go out there and eat crap, but uh, I'm able to kind of see the positives okay the calorie eating higher than i need to for me in this particular moment is not a bad thing 
then I, when I get to a certain weight, I might actually jump on the scales again, say, okay, I'm competent with that, that weight. However, the aesthetics are not as alluring or as pleasant I would like. Let me tweak some things to bring it back down to be a little bit in line with what quote unquote with the, the so to accessible ability of you, you know the filters and things like six pack and whatnot. Um I did have one when I started when I started midway through Pilates, but I think that was I probably wasn't eating enough at that particular moment. That's probably why I was a little bit thinner. Whereas now I'm eating a little bit more meat a little bit more substance. I'm starting to put that that fat back on and, and being a little bit happier with myself. So I think it's it's that fine balance where, okay, do you want to be, oh, I think for, what would it, for a man, it would be under 10% body fat. I think for a woman, I think 50, I think, well, 20 would be yeah, the borderline one. But, and I did an episode on this, ooh, which episode would it be? Like a long, long time back, I think like episode... I'm going to have to go look. I'll put it in the description of what I'm talking about because uh, it, it, it loses what number it is. And we, he took, he, from, from a male perspective, he looked at what are the actual consequences of being at, say, oh, well, four would be dangerous, 4% body fat would be dangerous. I, anybody go that, you need to, to actually to, to rein it back in and actually put some weight on. So he's saying about comfortable 6 to 8%. You, you you've got the the well the aesthetic look people are looking for from a male physique. However, you have a lot of mood swings. You can't keep warm in the winter and things like that. So you got to kind of put up the pros and cons. It goes into a little bit more detail. So I'll put I'll link that in the description uh, in terms of what are actually the that's the consequences of wanting to not have this perfect um quote-unquote physique whereas i think people they only look at the the pros what's it going to bring me but then you don't actually look at what are the downsides and i think you raised a good point in terms of looking at it from a emotional intelligence and i did an episode on this back on episode 116 116 with deshaun fontelroy looking at it from more from a, a sporting context in terms of how athletes can improve both of their social intelligence but also their emotional intelligence and without paraphrasing we we touched upon different avenues and like we touched upon with the social media and things that that goes in a little bit more detail as to what things you should challenge and what things you should should not challenge to look to be a better athlete so that would be if you get a chance do listen to that one and, and, and it probably makes significance we've been talking we've you you raised that one gosh I think just last week in terms of on on the on rich wellington's linkedin uh workshop so thinking okay i didn't pipe up when i seen it i thinking okay there's, there's some kind of i'll put it down to coincidence you could probably say it's something else but in terms of okay i covered that there must be something more to it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, ultimately you, you want to enjoy the holiday season and the company. Right. And so studies do show like from a psychological perspective, 
just enjoying your company, you'll be so wrapped up in being present with who you're with, right? As opposed to scrolling every once in a while, that you'll, your normal body functions will kick in, right? And you won't overeat. It will actually stop you from eating too much. Um, and so, but still, if you know that you're going over to that relative's house, that just has all the wrong food available. I mean, be, be smart. Just eat before you go, right? Because they're probably the same person that's like, oh, you don't like my food? You know, have some more, you know? <laughs> and, um, but it, it just, um, it's better to, uh, to have to go back to the heart, right? It's about enjoying, right? And then as opposed to feeling some kind of lack or want that will stop you from keep eating or keep drinking. You know, let's be clear, like most of our calories these days really comes from what we drink, whether it's a carbonated beverage or an alcoholic beverage, you know, all of our beverages outside of water have way too many calories these days. So, um, but just being uh, centered and, you know, focusing more on the emotional connection will, will keep you um, making smarter decisions for your body and your stomach. And I'll go a step further and I use my father as, as the example now. He, he won't eat before he'll go. He'll do, what does he use as the example? He, he will, because he doesn't want to be in, and no offense to their company now, so he's not there for a long period of time. He'll get he'll make himself a go uh, to go plate, and then and then obviously leave when he when he feels time. It's for it's re, it, it's relative for him to go. So I think that would probably be the other extreme. Like, well, you don't have to eat before you go. You're in their company, but I'm I'm not gonna overindulge. I'm gonna take what I need to, and I'm I'm gonna get out of here. Kind of mentality. I've had enough. Oh, I'm trying to put this in that's not in a negative light. I've had enough of kind of your company. I'm gonna. Uh, it's been a bit. It's maybe you're you're too much of um, too much of a good time. Too much of a good time, or you are on the on the negative side of it. You're, it's a negative vibe. Oh, I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show my face. Eat what you prepared and eat it in my own comfort, my own home. There you go. And that's another solution. I like that. <laughs> and my penultimate question to you, Cordelia, is in your opinion, if you wanted to get somebody to challenge their perception of their mindset, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, I guess just asking what the, okay, here are the three questions. What you're thinking, is it true? Right? Diving into your truth. And if there is the veil of the shoulds, right? Is that real? Is that realistic? Is that, you know, within the realm of possibility for you? And then the number three question is, where is that coming from? Is that even something that you believe within yourself, you know? I mean, I guess all three questions are related in some way, but to you, just to challenge yourself, you, you have to really tap into what's true for you, really, 
and see what it is that you actually believe. Because a lot of times we'll find, I know um, for a lot of my clients and even for myself, I've found that the, the things that I thought I believed, I didn't even realize that they weren't my beliefs. That when I thought back deeply, or not even too deeply, I realized it was somebody else's belief and that it wasn't true for me and it wasn't even a reality. And my final question to you before we wrap up the episode is if you have to summarize into one sentence for people to take away what we've been speaking about today. Oh, let me do that again. If you have to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Your emotions are truly a power source. They're your truth. They're the core of your real beliefs, and they'll keep you safe and healthy. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends, and do let Cordelia and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at Cordelia Gaffar and at James O. Roberts 11 and again on Twitter and Facebook. And do check out our website, CordeliaGaffar.com. And again, do check out my free content at fitampity.co.uk forward slash free dash resources. Make sure to check those out. The links will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category psychology. So once again, thanks for listening. And I'll catch you next week for another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast.